Hey everybody and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. We'll share with you the process I use for starting my company, and you too can be on your way to starting your very own service-based business. We'll work through some common issues that are preventing you from starting your own company and fulfilling your own true potential. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody who might wanting to be starting their own company. Dave and I saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach, and just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. And that takes two things for that to happen. One is we have to put out some great content, and two is you have to help share our valuable message. We know that many of you are out there on different social media platforms and different groups for your various trades and crafts. Uh, Facebook, Facebook groups, for example, are begging for this kind of info virtually every day. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based company, please do us a favor and drop a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. How I you doing? Am, I'm doing good. Yeah? I was just thinking, you know, <clears throat> my wife, when I, we get home from shooting, she's like, why are you there so late? We just BSed for like an hour. Right, And right. didn't get anything done. Didn't start the show, didn't it's, do anything. It's good stuff, though. It is good stuff. I like up. it. You know, catching I, up. I'm having a real good time doing this show. Yeah, it's fun. I get to see Marcus once a week. Hey, how's yeah. it going, guys? He's been on hey, vacation, Marcus. so. Man, yeah. that was a drive. Yeah. That was a drive. Where'd Mar- you go? I don't remember. Colorado Springs. Oh, Colorado Springs. Yeah. Beautiful. It's beautiful. I didn't get to go to, um, um, what's the peak? Pike's Peak. Pike's Peak. Peak. Yeah, I didn't get to see that. My daughter was kind of sick, but, oh, man, it was lovely. Yeah. It's nice out there. It's one of my favorite states. (laughs) Yeah. For a little while. Like a a small increment of time, and then I'm like, I'm ready to go home. I couldn't live there, because then you would get complacent, and it would ruin it for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like having the seasons. Right. Summer's all great, but it's only great because winter sucks so That's why much I love ass. Missouri is we get all four seasons. Yeah. Sometimes in the same week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what episode are we on? We are on episode 10. We're on 10. We just wrapped up all of the core episodes, which is awesome. Um, so, Dave, how about you run us through what those core episodes were, the first nine episodes? Yeah. So, <clears throat> they're broken into six steps, right? The prep steps, the beginning steps. So, uh, the first step was personal finance prep that was episode one and two yep okay number two business finance prep that was episode three number three systems prep that's episodes four five and six those were the long drawn out this is how to get it off the ground and be organized those are the most important episodes probably they, they probably are yeah and then once you get through those you're on the beginning steps four is community involvement work that's my favorite yep. episode seven uh five wake up do work repeat that's episode eight Six, evaluate performance, make adjustments, and improve. Uh, Mitch has in here today's show, episode nine. <laughs> that's not right. We're on episode 10. I just, I like that's, to bring that's stuff up. That's the old copy and paste it's, thing. It sticks in his craw when I bring stuff up that, you know, yep. he doesn't like. Like, look at his face right now. He's bright red. I'm a protectionist. But that was episode nine. Yep. So, in today's 10. So, if you're just, <clears throat> if this is the first episode you're listening to, you're going to want to do yourself a favor and actually go back to episodes one through nine and watch them in order, or watch or listen, or however you're doing it. Um, uh, do those in order. 
um, because they cover a lot of the foundational basics that all of the rest of this show will cover. And they make so. more sense when you watch them in order. Yeah, yeah. So um, on today's show, we're going to do uh, some question and answer stuff. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about the differences between leadership and management. So um, Q&A. Q&A. Now, now, in episode nine, we dropped our... Uh, our email address, if you would like to email in questions. That what e- is it? I can never remember what it is. Yeah, it's askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. So A-S-K-M-I-T-C-H at M-I-T-C-H-S-M-E-D-L-E-Y dot com. <laughs> uh, I like how I didn't get in any of that. It's yeah. just all Mitch all the time. Well, we could fire up another <laughs> one that says ask Dave. No, I don't want to go through emails. If you're going to ask Dave anything, it's ask him for like marital advice. Oh yeah, yeah. You can ask me any, if you want to ask me real life stuff on the email. Yeah, ask me. I'll answer. Well, questions. that's what the show's about, right? Yeah. How to succeed in business and in life. So yeah, real life stuff. I'll answer them all. Um. So yeah, after you've after you've listened to those first nine episodes, if you have any questions at all, feel free to shoot them in. Um. The questions that we're going to go over today. So on our Facebook page, uh, which if you want to find us on Facebook, it is at Podcast The Void. Um. Uh, on our Facebook page, we dropped that question and answer email early so that we would make sure we had some good questions for episode 10. Yeah, we so, were like on episode 7, I think, or 8. I don't yeah, remember. 7 or 8 or we something like that. There. So we gave we gave the Facebook listeners a little bit of permission to ask a little early. So uh, that's what today's questions are over. So let's, uh, let's jump right into the questions. Um, today's questions came from a gentleman named um, Jorge. Um, and he was up through episode four at the time he asked these questions. So some of them may have been answered in the remaining core episodes, but we're still going to cover them because they're really <clears throat> solid questions. And they're questions that are probably a lot of new, uh, business owners or people that are questioning business, business ownership will have. So, um, I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to give Dave some un- uninterrupted time to answer it. That'll be a first. Uh, <clears throat> I know. Um, right? and then... I'll get my time to answer it as well. Dave and I have some opposing views on some of these answers, which is awesome. So, um, Mitch hates it's, it. The difference is, though, my view is right. Uh, <laughs> See? So See what that's, I mean? That's hates the, it. the difference. But um, Okay, so here's Jorge's question. Uh, he says, what's up, brother? been listening to your podcast. I feel like it's been a godsend at this moment. I've been wanting to make the jump to become self-employed. Um, I've listened to the first three episodes so far. He says, I'm 40 years old. I've been plumbing for 15 years, and I'm a union member. Um, I do new construction commercial work and have done for my whole career. I've been with the same contractor for 11 years. We recently had a management change, and the new regime is, is kind of rocking the boat when it comes to the employees. Uh, so more and more guys are leaving due to poor morale. Uh, I've always had aspirations to go on, uh, go out on my own, but I've never wanted to take the chance uh, it's kind of hard to walk away from union union benefits and insurance and a pension um, and good pay, and, and he's living comfortably right now. So uh, he said, uh, recently uh, I've started taking on side work to build clientele, and he knows that we've spoken about side work in our core episodes and how side work isn't necessarily preparing you for business ownership, and he understands that. Um, but his his first question is, where would you generate where where would you your customers generate from without having a base to pull from uh it seems like our business has taken off really great which is cool um but he's wanting to know how to 
what, what's the best process to get customers from the get-go? I did follow up and ask him, he's not looking to go into commercial new construction work. He's wanting to go into residential service and repair plumbing work. So it's a completely different style of customer base. So yeah. and and he he's not opposed to doing commercial work also. Correct. Okay. Correct. But he's as as a one man show, he realizes it's easier for him to do residential. Yeah. This is where Mitch and I disagree. I like side work as far as building clientele. Right. Because you do get those <clears throat> interactions. Now, are they all going to be customers for life? No. I would say um and and Mitch is going to answer a little bit of this too. I'm going to steal some of his point because we talked about this earlier. Um, you know, you need a lot more customers than that. Okay. He's going to go into the detail of that. I like a little bit of side work to get your base going a little bit of clientele, but we hadn't shot episode seven either. Correct. And he hasn't listened to that. When we talk about community involvement work, when you start getting into community involvement work and becoming part of the community, becoming a member of the chamber of commerce that's where you're going to that's your entry level for gaining customers and building that clientele. That's really where you start. Yep. Instead of just doing side work. You're not going to get all of them from side work. No. Like Mitch has said and you know I I bring up too, you know when he says he wants to do just residential but he's he's willing to do commercial, he has contacts in the commercial field. Mm-hmm. Beat those contacts to death. Yeah. If if you have 15 and you get a sale, great. If, if you have 30 and you get three sales, great. Especially in commercial, that's going to carry you for a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, because those projects are, are a lot bigger than just going to, I, I don't want to say plunge one guy's toilet because it sounds like right. I'm, you know, uh, downing the plumbing industry and I'm not. But no, no, no. that's just what came to me first. Yeah. I mean, I those are my initial thoughts um, on that first question. Yeah. So my thoughts are obviously it, it'll help once he hears the other episodes. But um, if you're going into the residential world, a residential plumber needs like three service calls a day on average. And so no matter how much side work you do, plumbing doesn't really fail fast enough. You you could have a bank of, of 500 side work customers that you've done work for over the last few years that's still not enough for you to like launch a business off of. And I know this to be fact because, um, one of my, one of my previous duties was I jumped in with a company that only did heating and air conditioning and they wanted to add a plumbing department and they had 4,000 customers to pull from. And, and obviously they had done work for a whole lot more than 4,000, but they had HVAC or heating and air conditioning service agreements with 4,000 customers. And so I thought, oh, this would be great when we start on with them. I've got 4,000 customers to, to offer plumbing to right from the get-go. We struggled harder to start a plumbing department for them than I did when I started my company with zero customers to pull from. They, with a click of a button, they could email 4,000 customers and say, hey, we've added on plumbing and here's a coupon, use us. We started off harder and faster than we did there and we had zero. And and the difference is your approach to the community um, and then also how well you express to every customer that you go to that their referral to their family and friends means more to you than anything else. So, um, 
Jorge mentioned that he's he's not he's not afraid to do commercial and residential both. Uh, you know, another option is one of the reasons I kind of like doing a little bit of commercial is because it puts you in front of a bunch of residential customers, right? You will, like uh, last week I was in a hair salon doing some work, right? Well, that hair salon is full of hairstylists that all have plumbing needs, and it's full of customers that all have plumbing needs. And literally, while we're in the salon doing some plumbing work, there were three people that said, hey, can I get your card? I'm looking for a good plumber. Hey, can I get your card? I'm looking for a good plumber. So if you do it correctly, you can use a little bit of commercial work to get residential work as well. Um, the, the, the two episodes to focus on when you're worried about your customer base is going to be episode seven, where we talk about getting involved in the community. But then also we talk about it in episode nine too. Um, before you start your company, you want to have an endless bank of ideas for how you will get customers. And when you have that endless bank of ideas for how you'll get customers, anytime you're slow, you always go back to that bank and you always go back to that bank to, to do stuff. For me, like I had door hangers that I was hanging. And if I had two hours from the time I completed one service call to the next service call, I would just grab a whole handful of door hangers and whatever neighborhood I happened to be in, I would just start walking around the neighborhood and hanging door hangers. Um, and I, you know, I had a whole bunch of other ideas too that I never even needed to get to partly because our community involvement work worked out really well. So, but there, there are plenty of ways to get it. It's just side work is not that way. Your side work customer is not an official business customer. Your side work customer knows exactly what they're getting. They're getting work on the cheap because you're not a business. They probably won't follow you into business either, especially on the residential side. They may follow you into business on the commercial side. I have watched guys get a fairly good commercial customer base and then say, okay, I'm launching my business, and then just kind of go into that. Um, residentially, they typically don't. They kind of want that cheap side work feel. And the moment you go legit, so to speak, they know that your prices have to go up because now you're paying taxes and everything else. And, and, they they don't want to use you anymore. So yeah, and just just a little to add to what Mitch said, when you do go out on your own and you start posting on Facebook and you start telling your family and friends, and then they start telling their family and friends, that's a lot of customers, potential customers. It so is. don't be afraid. A lot of people, I think, sometimes are afraid to say, "Hey, this is my business. I need help getting it started. I don't need help." with the work. I don't need help with the money, but I need help with the work. There is a... Will you please call me? People don't want to say, will you please call me if something goes wrong? Right. Hit those Pe people up. People don't want to say, I need help. There is massive power when you tell somebody, I need help. If I called Dave in the middle of the night and just said, hey man, how's it going? He'd probably hang up on me. <laughs> but if I called Dave in the middle of the night and said... Hey, I need help. Yeah. Hey, He's dude. all ears. Well, yeah. What do you got? Right. People naturally want to help. And so that's actually one of our lines when we're asking customers for Google reviews is, hey, it would really help us out if you gave us a Google review. And that gets back to our core values, too, of honesty. When If you're just honest with people yeah. and tell them the truth. Okay. So when I first, this is a, a good example. When I first started out, <clears throat> I was real small. I didn't, in doing heating and cooling installs, okay, not service, but when I got a replacement to do or a bid to go run, I did not get the same pricing that big companies get. 
Right. They're buying in bulk. Okay. Right. right. I would tell, especially my, like my family and friends, I would say, hey, look, I'm going to give you a bid. I'm not going to be the cheapest, man. I'm sorry. I I, I have to pay an extra $600 right. or what, you know, X um, above what these other guys are paying. Right. Um, I can, you know, my labor is a little bit smaller than theirs, but it's just I'm not going to be the lowest. And I'm sorry. Nine times out of 10, those people would say to me, dude, I'd rather give the money to you than yeah. somebody I don't know. Exactly. Okay. So <clears throat> don't be afraid. And this is, I'm talking to Jorge here. Don't be afraid to ask for help as mm-hmm. far as work goes mm-hmm. and being honest with people. And don't be afraid to get, uh, we've beat this horse to death. Don't be afraid to get involved in the community mm-hmm. to get those calls. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the the big thing is we when, when you're starting out you have to make your business worthy of something that somebody would want to shop for right um it like in our in our market there are literally probably 100 plumbing companies in our market right so you have to find a way to make your business separate the, it, itself out from all of those others. And the wrong way to do it, it it's the easiest path. You're going to say, oh, well, I beat them on quality and I beat them on price. Everybody says that. Every single person yeah, says that. Exactly. And they don't, right? Because they're all saying that. And the, and the quality varies from company to company. So you have to get out of the box a little bit and find a way to make your company completely different than everybody else. And, and people will want to come work for you because your mission or your vision is not like every, if you have the vision, vision or mission of, Oh, we're going to beat them on, we're going to earn them on price and keep them on quality or, you know, whatever else, like welcome to the same slogan that everybody else. has. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, you've got to come up with a completely different reason why you are so much better than everybody else. And you might have the same quality and the same price. It doesn't have to revolve around that. It can be like, like for us, we dedicate one day a month to members of the community who need plumbing, right? That's what sets us apart from every other company out there. Yeah. And, and that's enough to put us in a different bracket. So, and I want to just one last thing about that first question is, you know, he says, um, it's hard to walk away from uni- union benefits insurance. He has a family of five. Yep. Dude, that's scary as hell. It okay? is. It is. Now listen, in in episode three, we talk about um, business finance prep. Mm-hmm. If you have to carry the insurance for those five kids <clears throat> and your significant other, you need to set money aside for that before right. you start out. Okay? So you maybe need it. If it costs you... Um, ten thousand dollars for six months yep set that ten thousand dollars aside in addition to your business finance prep yeah okay it makes it less scary you know the money's there if if for some reason heaven forbid something does happen Mm -hmm. and you have to go back to work you still have that money okay it's still your money that's what we talk about when we say be prepared for everything right that would just be an extra step you need to take yep for us, it was a very, very, like, that That was a real thing for us, too. So um, I was being provided insurance for my company as well. Um, I'm not completely savvy on the union side of things. However, because um, the companies I had worked for were non-union. Um, but what I found 
was that when companies are offering you insurance, they're not, they're, they're literally just offering it to you. They're not kicking in very much at all. So some are, some we, aren't. We were able to buy private insurance. We went to a private health insurance broker. Um, and chances are, if he's a union plumber, he's not going to be able to get insurance on the federal marketplace uh, because there's income yeah. caps on that. So he's going to have to go to a private insurance broker and um, and he's going to be you know given access to that kind of stuff. But when he does that, um, he's going to get some realistic numbers. And so that has to start to become part of his personal financing budget that he's going to need to overcome with his earnings from his business financing. Um, we found that buying insurance personally through a broker was like, and we're a family of four, it was like $200 a month more than what I was getting through my employer, and it was almost identical insurance. Yeah. So it's like, man, my insurance, my, my employer was acting like they were doing this great thing by offering me insurance and everything else, and they were really only paying for like 200 bucks of it. Yeah, it is insane how little they're actually paying towards and, it. And bigger companies do that because they have so many employees. Like if they paid literally paid for half, they probably couldn't do it. Right. You know, I mean, unless it's just a special circumstance. That's it's it's uh, it's it's for another show. But in the future, we should dive into how I do insurance for our guys at our company because it it, it blows every other company out of the water. Are you gonna re- talk about retirement form too? Uh, that's coming. We're gonna you, you, you're going to dig into that right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I've been punching Mitch in the balls on retirement. Yeah. Been in a for business like for 18 weeks, months, and I don't weeks. have retirement set up for my guys hey, yet. I'm big on it. <laughs> I'm big on it. I, there aren't a lot of little digs I can get in on him, but he tries. I'm going to do that one. Okay, let's, let's move on. So All question right. two. So question two. When I look at starting my business, I look at basically just owning my job. Was that your goal, or were your intentions to grow as you have? Uh, the reason I'm asking is because I'm reading the e-myth. I'm only on chapter three, and it's almost trying to deter me, saying the technician can't be the boss. Yes. What I, is the e-myth? Because so I don't know what the e-myth is. I love the e-myth. The e-myth is a book, and if anybody is listening out here, you need to go buy this book. If you have not started your company, or even if you have started your company, go buy the book. Um, that I believe it's official title now because it's been revised a little bit. Um, if you go on Amazon or whatever, you're going to, you're going to search the E-Myth Revisited. You know, they're not sponsoring us, right? I don't care. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's amazing literature. Um, they, they have like tons of books out there. They've made an E-Myth book for, um, for a lot of different professions, but, you can get the gist of it by buying the E-Myth Revisited. What the E-Myth stands for is the entrepreneur myth. And basically a a two-minute overview of the book is you got Susie who bakes pies, and she loves baking pies, and she's really good at baking pies. So she says, I'm going to open a business baking pies. And she starts out and it's kind of fun and it's kind of fresh and she's baking pies and she's having fun. Well, next thing you know, her pies are so good because she is good that now her phone's ringing a whole lot more and it's kind of hectic and now she's working longer days, but hey, she's making money and she's busy and she keeps at it and she's really good and now her phone's ringing even more and now she's like doesn't have time to do the books because she's baking pies and now she doesn't have time to do the orders because she's baking pies and, and next thing you know, she's overwhelmed by this monster she's created because she's so incredibly good at her craft. 
So what the E-Myth talks about is before you start your company, and if you've already started it, it's not too late, but they talk about mapping out like what the completed version of your business looks like. So Susie's Pies, again, I didn't even know if the name Susie in there, and I didn't even know if it's Pies, but it, it's something like that. Um, Susie's Pies, for example, you're going to have a person that's on the phone taking orders. You're going to have a person that is baking with you, right? Because you can't bake all of them. You're going to have a delivery driver. You're going to have a bookkeeper to handle the books. You're going to have all of this kind of stuff. And so you map that out as a completed version. And initially, you're writing your name to all of those jobs because that's what you're doing. But then as you start to get busy and you can't keep up with everything, you find out the one job that you can carve out of there and you keep doing everything else, and then you hire somebody to do that one job. And then as you get busy some more and you, you're running out of time, you find another job to carve out of there and you hire somebody to do that job. And it, it, it all starts with understanding that eventually this is going to be a lot of people doing these jobs, and so it allows you to kind of organize it. It allows you to visualize what is actually what needs to happen Yeah, if you're going to get bigger and be successful. Right. And, and so the concept that he's talking about there as far as owning a job or owning a business, if you're a one-man company of anything where you're answering the phones, you're fulfilling the orders, you're doing the work, you're doing the deliveries, you're handling the books, you're doing everything, you don't own a business. The government will tell you you own a business so that they can tax you more, but you don't actually own a business. You own a job, and it's a horrible job to be tasked with all of that stuff. And... and the way I, the reason the book says it, and I, I 100% agree with it, you own a job because if you don't come to work that day, the business does not make money. Businesses make money whether their owners are present or not. Jobs don't get done if the person doing the job doesn't show up, right? So that's their definition or how they, how they play that out. So what they're trying to get you to is the entrepreneur status where you've developed and created a business that can run for small or long periods of time without you there. And and that only happens by mapping out how to get people to do all of the crafts. Um, it also really highlights the fact that you may be really good at baking pies and thinking you want to do that for a business. But once you learn that it takes bookkeeping and accounting and phone answering and delivery and, and um, you know, purchasing and everything else, you might be like, uh, I, I, I didn't want to do that. I, I just wanted to make pies. And so now you like fold the business up and you go back and work for somebody else making pies, right? So it kind of gives you that gut check moment before you start everything. Yeah, and I'm going to jump in. I, I like that answer. Um, <clears throat> I was a one-man show. Mm -hmm. So Jorge, if you want to be a one-man show, you can do it. You can totally do it. I did it for 10 years completely by myself yep okay but mitch is right and that book is right if if all if if you're not going to hire people to help you and you're not going to try to grow to be a bigger entity it is a lot of hard work and dude it will wear you down now okay it will pay you very well in the process yeah you're gonna make more money being you're gonna make more money being a one-man show than you ever did working for somebody else yes but you're not gonna make as much money as if the business was was working on standing on its own two feet and you were just maybe GMing the business or 
right i don't want to say ceo but you know they're in the service industry it's not quite the same but yeah and, and a lot of it just depends on your aspirations right so so don't lie to yourself and call yourself an mm-hmm. entrepreneur if you're starting like a one-man business you're, you're just self-employed and yeah that, and that's fine and, and what they're talking about they're kind of giving entrepreneur a different definition in their book like what mitch listed off there that's not really being an entrepreneur that's that's owning a successful business they're kind of twisting the word there but if you do want to do it on your own be be prepared yeah because it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of long hours yep it's a lot of real steep learning curves i mean but obviously he's doing his due diligence if he's already listened to those show and we're you know we're prepping him for that yep and his questions i mean <laughs> those are great questions for hey they're they're amazing they're, they're questions I, every new business owner yeah has. i you know i had those same fears yep you know granted we it was just me and my wife at the time. I didn't have five kids, you know, so I wasn't as scared, you know, yep. and she had a job, so it wasn't as big a deal. But if, if you're not going to grow it, be prepared to work a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I mean, I was on call. So I basically was on call 24 seven, 365 for 10 years Yeah, is what it was. Now, listen, I had other guys that I could, I shouldn't say guys, other businesses. If someone called me and I was out of town that I could, um, you know, send business their way and get my customers taken care of. Uh, I had a good friendship network, so right. to say, um, and, and you'll have to do that if you're going to be on your own. But don't be afraid if that's what you want to do. Right. If right, you're right. prepared, you can make it happen. So another key in what he's kind of hitting at is he's a little fearful of like, how do I add people? And then how do I trust that they're going to do everything I want to do? You have to prepare those people. You, you got to prepare them, and you have to vet and, them, and, and you got to hire, hire the right people. Yeah, the that's challenge easier said than done. It, it's a lot so, easier okay. said than done, so right? the The challenge there, though, is if you this is another benefit of creating a company that sets itself apart from all other companies out there. When if you create a company that's just like everybody else then the, sa- the the applicants that are applying for everybody else that are giving them all the problems are going to be applying for you as well. If you create a company that is so superior to everybody else in every facet, in, the, in their pricing, in the way that they talk to customers, in the way that they service customers, in their appearance, in their delivery, in their product, in everything, then when it comes time to hiring people, you need to treat your people and pay your people better than everybody else. You need to create a culture that's better than anybody else. And when you do that, you will literally have people come to you and you can pick which ones are the right ones for you. And and when you do it really well, it's crazy how the riffraff doesn't even knock on your door to come work for you because they know they won't be accepted. And it's not, there'll still be a few. You know, that come in and out, but you can, I mean, you can weed out a lot of bad employees before they even get there. Yeah. Is, is what Mitch is saying there. Yep. And now listen, if you, if Jorge works at a company now, that's kind of a revolving door. Yeah. He talks whether, about the culture going south. Yeah. So listen, if, if guys are coming in and out of there anyway, but you know, good guys have left, call them. Yeah. Call them up. If you get, if you get rolling and you need help, call them. Yep. You're not poaching from somebody else. Nope. They might and, be leaving there anyway. And so another thing, too, when you're small, you'll find if you're wanting to add people onto your team, they'll be a little forgiving with you knowing that you're early and you're small, right? You, you may say, like, I'm working on insurance. You might not have it for the first month, and they'll, they, they may be okay with that. 
Um, you may say, like as Dave was knocking me earlier, um, we're working on 401k. We don't have it just yet, and they'll be okay with it. You still got to be a man of your word, and you got to come back around and, and get it. Yeah, don't lie to them. Right, right. Um, the um, th- they'll work with you a little bit because people kind of get excited about getting in on the ground floor stuff. So we'll have another episode in the future about. How to, um, how to set those different things up. Well, we'll have we'll have it about how to set some of that kind of stuff up, but we'll also have it about like how to create great culture um, and how to create great um, um, a great atmosphere where people want to come, where, where the right people, the top performers want to come work for you. Yeah. So, uh, and when I say top performers, I don't mean top performers financially. I mean top performers emotionally, the ones that are like the A players for your team, not just the chauvinistic egomaniacs that are top performers financially. Or sales, yeah. Right, right. You mean guys that you just want to be, that you want on your team. Yeah. You know, and that can be a lot of different things. Yep. It could be a good salesman. It could be the best service tech. It could also be three guys that keep morale up and they're good at their job. That's where and it cheerleaders. starts. That's it. when you get guys like that that make. When you get, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Tom Brady said that Rob Gronkowski was everyone's favorite teammate. Yep. Okay on the on the Bucks and the Pats. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, guess what? When you have a guy like that with a personality like that that's driving guys, yeah. and and I hate both those teams. Okay, we're <laughs> in Kansas City. All right. Yeah, it's you it's know still legit facts. Travis though. Kelsey is better than Robert Gronkowski. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. No questions asked. Uh, no questions asked. Okay, his stats will prove it when he's done. There's uh, a rumor that they're the Chiefs might look at a one year deal with Gronk to come to the Chiefs. Don't if he comes here. I saw that. I will <laughs> boo him when he's on the field. I, I won't boo. Uh, but he's in a cheese jersey now. All that the uh, past is the past. No, uh-uh. uh, I don't think so. Don't get me fired up. <laughs> um, but but what I mean by that, and you know, when you have guys like that, that everyone um, gravitates to when they come into work. Hey guys, you know, high five. Hey, you know, keeping yep. the morale up, dude. First thing in the morning for your company to just start out like that every yeah. freaking day. Yeah, I mean those are those That's, guys are more important. Oh, I shouldn't say more important. They're as important as your top sales guys. No, they are more important than your top sales guys. And the reason they why be is because those they sales motivate guys your, too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you... I can't believe I just brought I, Ron Gronkowski and stupid Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I look myself. to hire heart. I hire them for their heart. And then I either accept them at their skill level or I can work on their skill level. I can teach anybody how to plumb. I cannot teach yeah, anybody how to give a shit. It's a pretty stupid easy craft. Right, right. You Zing. <laughs> you said right. Caught me. Caught me. It, I can't teach somebody how to give a shit. Yeah. And so if your exactly. give a shit's broken, you're not working for me, right? I can teach you how to turn the wrench better or pipe the thing better or or diagnose something better. I can teach all of that. And if someone has heart, it's easier to teach them those things because they right. care. They care about what they're doing. Right. And so, that's and that's not for plumbing. That's for everything. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. But ultimately, to, to, to kind of bookend the answer of a second question about looking to add people, uh, and he's a little nervous about, uh, about them working for him and everything, you've got to have that, that e-myth spirit in mind of, okay, eventually when this is done, I'm going to have this position and this position and this position, and you've got to be willing to put trust into those positions and have them work for you yeah i don't want to drag it on either but you know the last part of that was saying the technician can't be the boss 
I personally know one company that um, the guy that started it was a tech, mm-hmm. okay? And he grew this company, and they were very successful. And I don't mean huge. Nope. I think they had 15 employees um, the last I talked to him. He hired a GM. Yeah. Literally hired a GM. This guy is the owner of the company, hires a GM. You know what he does? He runs sales calls. Yep. Or not sales calls, um, tech calls. There's you know a, why? There's a plumbing company in our area that did that. He hired a he CEO. He loves it. Yeah. He loves it. That's what he loved to do, but he loved to take care of customers. Right. So when he started out and the company just naturally evolved into what it was, and he didn't like being the GM. Yeah. He didn't like doing this. So he found someone he trusted. Right. Hired that guy. They're doing great. He went back to running calls. Yeah. And not all day. No. You know, but he likes running two or three calls. Yeah. He, he likes talking to the customers and, and helping them out. And, and, and you can do that. You, so can, it, you can totally do that. And, and on the E-Myth framework where it talks about like mapping out all of the positions, right? And what I was saying, like when you get too busy, you find, you, you find that position to carve out and you hire somebody to do that. That doesn't mean necessarily that you have to stay in the uppermost position of the company, right? Yeah. So there's a guy in town, it's actually a plumbing company, where he did that. He hired a CEO to run his company, yeah. and, and that's what he Is did. Is it a pretty big company? They're mid- mid-sized. Okay. So, but, but that's very realistic, and you could totally do that. Keep in mind, as, a, as the owner of a company, you you're still kind of... You still have to go to the meetings. You still have to well, oversee a little bit and you know and check in. You're kind of you're kind of getting... You get a salary for being the employee, but you're kind of getting some dividends on the back end, of too. Course. And so of hiring course. a CEO doesn't necessarily mean that that person's making more than you no. on the long run, so... No, it doesn't. Um, Good questions, Jorge. Real, real quick here, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch him off guard. Don't be afraid, Jorge. Get after it, bud. We we've, we've got a young aspiring entrepreneur that just stepped into our podcast studio here, so it, it's actually my son, let's Grant. See, let's see if he's gonna be shy. He is shy. Look at him. He's snuck in the door. He's oh, like, hey. oh, That's we're not right. gonna we're not gonna That's get him right. to talk. That's okay. He's, he's thinking about possibly starting a poop scooping business in the neighborhood. Oh, really? He could clean house. Dude, do you know how much those guys actually make? I know. I told it's it, like, insanity. I'm like, you could do it's five insanity. bucks a yard, like five bucks uh, per week. First per off, e- first off, I think that they charge like twenty five dollars a yard. Well, per week. No, what I what I told him is once a week, five bucks a yard. He could do like. 10 yards a week and just make a killing. You know what would be hilarious? If he just started making a pile of poop in your backyard. Like there's just well, like that's where he gets rid of it. It's just out back <laughs> behind the garage door. You I know, am something. a plumber. <laughs> I know how to dispose of poop, right? So maybe okay. maybe one day we'll get him up the courage to to jump in on the He's, sitting, he's sitting here now. He's like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking what we I'm should like, just do. Just tell him you don't know what to say. I'll host the show. And then he can bring do, him on as can, a guest. I like he that. can be my co-host on the show. We <laughs> could do that. We, me, and you've sat up here a hundred times and done it. Okay, twice. It, during Once, during yeah. our he prep did a great work. job too. It was man. twice. Yeah, yeah he did great. During our prep work, he'll sit up here and yeah, he helps get the mics going. He'll rattle with Dave forever. Oh yeah, we can talk. We can shoot the poop. So, um, okay. So now that we're done with our Q and A section, and since yeah, Grant, let's get into since the Grant's not going to talk here real quick. That's um, all right. One of the things that we, after it. one of the things that we wanted to chat with you guys about is the differences between leadership and management, um, and how that is going to affect you, either as an employee. Let's say you listen to this show and you decide it's best that you stay working for somebody else, and that's totally fine. Um, but also leadership versus management for how it's going to run in your own business. So, um, 
as, as you're currently employed and listening to this show, um, you, you may already understand the differences between leadership and management. They, they both play a vital role in a business's success. However, it depends on what side of the coin you put the emphasis on. Leadership is present in companies where people are empowered to make decisions for themselves. And when chaos arises, they're able to handle that chaos without running to their manager. If they do run to their manager, it's to kind of give them a debrief of, hey, we ran into this big old crazy fiasco today and this is what we did. Just letting you know, right? Companies that thrive under excessive management or even micromanagement, that never happens. If you run into a crazy fiasco, it's you're telling whoever is upset that you have to pause and you have to wait and and I need to get my manager involved and all of this stuff. And yeah, there's you've this, got to call the office. There's a super strict hierarchy of I, stuff, right? I hate that stuff. Right. And so you've got to decide, well, for one, as an employee, let's say you're listening to this show before you took the leap. As an employee, um, you've got to understand, are you working for a company that puts this emphasis on leadership or on management, right? Um, and, and go from there. The, the easy way to spot the differences between like leadership and management are going to be um, Home Depot, for example. Great company. They thrive a lot on management and not a lot on leadership, right? Uh, management is going to be very small task-based. You do these tasks in your department. You do these tasks in your department. Anything that's overlapping, we got to get a manager involved and, and so on. Um I mean, I don't know if they still do, but they used to wear like little individual badges. To they kinda, still do. They write it on their aprons. Yeah, to, to say like what tasks they're certified or been trained in doing and everything else. That's kind of a management-heavy culture. Um, leadership. So like let's go the other way. Uh, if you've ever rented a car from Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I can guarantee you you've never had to speak to the manager. Because Enterprise Rent-A-Car empowers every single one of its associates to make managerial decisions. They empower those associates to do whatever it takes to make the customer happy. And, and as long as that associate is working in good faith of the customer and the company, they'll never be reprimanded for it. And, and so that is a very management-driven culture where the, the goal is more customer-focused on, on making sure that they're happy without delaying that customer by having to get a manager involved or call somebody or wait for them to become available or anything else. And so those are kind of the two differences be between the two. So if you're at a company where morale is very low and everything is broken up into silos. You only do this task. And if it branches out of that, you have to involve a manager or you have to send it over to this department to do this task or whatever. That is a management or even micromanagement driven organization. And they're usually not very fun to work at. Um, uh, no, so micromanagement companies are awful to work. For. Yeah. Yeah. I you feel like you have no freedom to do anything. Exactly. Exactly. It, and it's, it, it's hard to do your job. It's hard to be motivated. It's hard to make sales. If it's yep. a sales driven job, it's just, it's really hard. It's, I find it very funny that you brought up enterprise rent a car. Yeah. Mitch and I both worked. <laughs> that, was at one an of our, that was one of our first jobs. <laughs> we were, I don't know. How old do you think we were? 20? 
had to be yeah, 20. 18 to 20. You had to be 18 to work there, so it's yeah. like 18 to 20. Now, yeah. listen, we weren't the guys that come out in the suits. We washed cars. Yeah, we, we, were the, we were the dirty and uh, losers in the back. We drove cars from location to location. Well, it's not, I don't want to be in trouble for anything. Uh, there may have been some wrecked cars, some donuts, and some races yes, run. It was always a competition of who could get there faster. That you... <laughs> that's not in the notes that you brought that up. And I just kept thinking. I'm going to. And in the summer, I was wearing flip flops, no shirt. I'm going to date ourselves a little bit. They rented Chevy Astro vans when we worked I there. I know. And for those of you who are wondering, <laughs> a Chevy Astro will do a quarter mile burnout. So No weight. You know, there's no weight. There's this no is all power. It's got a good power in, power plant. <laughs> we had a lot of fun at that job. That was a great but job. We did also get to hang out with a lot of the front desk associates, and and yeah. they, they, I mean, it was crazy how the culture was in that place. Yeah. it was very very customer and associate based. And if you it, it, and when you were working there, if you sh- the way they made extra money was selling insurance on the cars. Yeah, right. So and, and, and basically the manager. Uh, Dooley and I can't yeah. remember the other guy's name. Dooley was such a douche. Yeah. Um, but they just sat in the office. I don't know what right. they did. I don't remember them ever saying anything to us or doing anything. But each individual person that worked there yep. that was renting the cars, I mean, there was a huge. They all made the base pretty much. Yep. And then they just if you they sold insurance on a car, they get a little ticket bonus. Yep. And they just let them. They just let those people do their thing. Yep. And that's how it should be. Yep. That's <laughs> so funny. I've, I've actually run into one of the other managers there later on. It was, it was a lot of fun to talk to him. <clears throat> um, <laughs> a lot of weird stuff happened at that job. So a lot a lot of times you're going to find <laughs> out. a lot of that girls like, at that job. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it was right on that's, Nolan Road. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different Yeah, That's, that's a, a whole different that's story. That's another podcast for another day. Um, so a lot of the differences between management and leadership are going to be found in culture. You're going to find some of the best culture around in companies that are very leadership focused. You're going to walk into these companies and you're going to have a hard time even spotting who is the manager or who is the owner, right? Because everybody's going to be just as happy and you're going to watch everyone work just as hard as everyone else. So as you're working through these things, understand that. Understand that leaders inspire people to act managers require people to act, right? Um, one of the guys that I just hired, I hired him from one of the bigger companies in town. They had Did you a, poach him or he was looking? Uh, it's okay. Uh, Either th- way is all right. Th- it, it's kind of full <laughs> circle. This is how our culture works. People hear about our culture oh, he and came they want to come to us, right? Oh, okay. And so- I like it. They This is, this is a very management-driven company- and they have a rule for everything. And there's nothing that chaps my ass more than putting a rule in place that does nothing other than piss your employee off or make your experience worse for the customer. Yeah. And so they had this rule that you're not allowed to leave a job at a customer's home and without clocking out of the job, right? Like you can't even go to the... Like you can't run to the gas station while you're at a customer's house. Right. Okay. Like, and, and okay, I can get the overriding idea, right? You yeah. Want, you I, want to keep your people working. Yeah. Well, he would. You, you you have like the way that some of our CRM stuff works. You have to like get all the way processed with your ticket before you leave the customer's driveway. Okay. So you're or before you leave their call in the CRM, 
And so what he would do is he would get done with the interaction with the customer and everything, and then he would get in his truck and he would drive a couple blocks away around the corner. So it didn't look like he was sitting out in so front of their house, right? Because customers get creeped out when you it leave and then you don't leave. Yeah, right? it's it's weird. And and so he would leave and drive a couple of blocks away and then get all of his paperwork done and get everything mm-hmm. all closed out and everything. And it was a couple of minutes. One day he did the exact same thing, only he drove and parked in a gas station parking lot, and they actually wrote him up for leaving the customer's house and going to a gas station parking lot when actually That's what stupid. he was doing was in the best interest of the customer and enhancing that customer's experience. Yeah. So they find reasons to, to cr- drive a wedge between the employee and the company or the customer and the company. And, and that's a very management-intensive company. You know, right? at, and at this time, when you can't um, find employees to work... right. Like what are you running around? What are you trying to do that right, for? Right, right. Um, they they so had dumb. a they had a whole bunch of other stuff too. Like if you showed up two minutes late to a customer's house, you got they had like this point system, right? What well, if it, what, what if there's traffic? Right. Like when what we if, t- what if like yesterday it snowed ten inches? Yeah, I, yeah. So like he's not setting. He doesn't get to set the timeline of when he's going to show up. Yeah. The office promises the customer we're going to be here at this certain time. And he has to try to stick to that. Well, a couple of red lights or maybe a gas stop or a bathroom break, and now you're blowing your timeline, right? So how about you just set a rule that you have a window of time that you can arrive in, and you tell your guy and your customer they're going to arrive anytime in this window. That reminds me of Neil Holy Harris. Holy cow, it's a, it's a perfect way to go. Reminds me of Neil Harris, heating and cooling. There's, there's a lot of companies that do that. And, and again, maybe their ideas start with a good principle in mind, but the way that they enforce them is so micromanaging that it just drives the wedge. And, and so those types of policies are management-intensive organizations, whereas like we have a, we have a very open policy in, in our, our company if you you never have to involve me if you don't want to to make a decision with a customer and as long as you're acting in good faith with the company and the customer in mind I will never free to reign buddy yeah I I will free never like did you make the right call maybe or maybe not that's that's neither here nor there I'm not going to be upset with you unless you acted out of good faith for the company or the or the customer so if a customer's upset and they need a, a small refund or a small deduction on their price or something like that the guys know they can do it, and then they're going to call me up later and say, "Hey, I had to give this customer twenty bucks off. They were a little upset." Okay, thanks. Thanks like, for the heads I'm up. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Yeah, thank you for doing what it took to make the customer happy. Yeah. Right? So, those are the big. And that's how you get callbacks too. Right. You know, they're right. going to call back now. Right now, they're going to call back and and do do work with us again. So, um, these are all things to think about as as either you're looking to exit your company or or you're looking to, to start uh, to stay with your company, either way. And that's a, those are good points for, even if you're not, say you're just listening to this because you like listening to it, mm-hmm. it. Maybe some of these things have deterred you from starting your own company. Well, those are still things to look for if you're looking for a good place to work. Right. You know? Right. Those are things to, so, to, to look for in your employer. Yeah. Keep in mind, if, you, if you're ever looking for a job, you're interviewing your employer just as much as they're interviewing you. Yeah. And if you don't think of it that way, you need to think a lot more highly of yourself. Yeah. Um, and listen, you're checking them out just as much as they're checking you and out. And we're not, you know, putting you down here, but that's, I mean, that's what I did. You know, Hell yeah. it, it takes a lot of years and a lot of experience to, and that's why we're doing this show and talking about it because you don't just learn those things overnight. Right. You know, be aware. Yep. Grow. Yep. 
know what you're doing. So, and the reason we brought this up in this episode is is partly because Jorge's questions about the the new regime coming in and changing the culture and changing the vibe and everything else. If I had to, if I had to guess, I would say before that company got bought out, um, they were probably a little bit more leadership focused, and then the new owners are a lot more management focused. And that happens almost every time a company gets bought out, as they come in with a very impressive yeah. management schedule. And Jorge's been there a long time, so right. it's it's. It's not a giant assumption to think that that's what's happened. Right, right. So, um, and use that, Jorge. I hope he goes out on his own. I hope he's successful. If he does go out on his own, use that as knowledge to put in I, the bank of of hey, dude, I don't can, be that way. Right. I can virtually guarantee he's going to be successful for two reasons. Um, one, not not necessarily because he emailed us and asked questions, but because he's thinking on that line of yeah. getting questions answered. Right. Yeah. The other is because he's, he's reading the E-Myth. He's preparing that that E-Myth book is amazing. Yeah. It, it is very very amazing. I'll take your so, word for it. I don't have it on. I, I'd let you read it. I don't have it on paperback. I listen to it on audio. I love so. you. I'm not reading that book. No, you're not. I know you're not a book reader. <laughs> I'm not a book reader. So the. The, but the main reason we brought that up is like, let's say you're at a management focused company and you're not left yet and you're, you're considering putting everything together. Start taking inventory of all of the BS rules that that company has and not only just take inventory of it to write it down as like, this is crap. Go, go the next step and say, how are you going to do it in your company that offsets that, that, that makes it to where that is not a problem, right? So for instance... I have zero, like you can leave a customer's house as much as you want, as long as it's in the best interest of the company and the customer, right? It, you you can drive around the corner and fill out your paperwork. That's totally fine. You can, you can leave the customer's house and go grab material that you need. That's fine. Like do what it takes to make you succeed. Yeah. So, and, and the customer to succeed as well. So as long as that's your focus, you're fine. Now, if you're leaving the customer's house four times to go to the bathroom at Quick Trip, that's a problem. Taking that's, a modium. That's not right. <laughs> right. Or take the day off and get your yeah. stomach figured out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we wanted to, <laughs> we wanted to bring that in because that's a, that's a really key thing for you to understand as you're going into this. Um, and chances are, if you're wanting to start a company that is intensely management focused, you're probably going to struggle just like every other company does. And your customers feel it. They feel it very well. Enterprise Rent-A-Car went on to be one of the most successful car rental companies in the in the nation because of their leadership philosophy. Strictly and solely because of that. The, the, the owner of Enterprise, uh, I, I think he's passed away now, but he has been interviewed before and, and asked, like, what do you attribute a lot of your success for or to? And, and he says in those interviews, it's because I empowered all of our team members to take care of the customer. I didn't put roadblocks in their way to take care of the customer. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah. Um, guys, that, that pretty much wraps up our show today. Uh, had the, those couple of questions to answer, and then uh, we talked a little bit about leadership and management. So remember, if you like what you're hearing here, please do us a favor and share the void uh, with anybody who might be wanting to start their own company. Uh, drop the drop a link to the show or tag us in the in the show uh, on on social media. Feel free to send uh, your friends a message. Uh, I just messaged a guy the other day started his own lawn care company, and and so I texted him and I said, hey, for first of all, congrats on the lawn care how, thing. How long has he been going? Two weeks. Nice. So I said, congrats on the lawn care thing. That's awesome. Oh, he's preparing. Out. He's preparing for spring. Right. Right. Nice. We're, we're in the we're in the Midwest here. It's winter, so he's he's kind of getting geared up. 
He's probably pushing a little snow right now. I guarantee he is. Um, but, um, you know, I said, hey, we started up this podcast that is perfect for new service business owners like yourself and and check it out. And he was, he was like beyond amazed that I even thought to send it to him, that I thought so much to like, hey, I want to see you succeed, so to check this out. Um, and, and then he followed back up with me today and he said, yeah, listen to episode one and this is cool. I can't wait to listen to more. So... Um, you, your friends that are doing this, uh, they, they want it. They want this info. This let's, is good info to have. Let's so. bring up too. So in the service industry, it's really a male-driven. A lot of it is male-driven. Yeah. If you know ladies that want to open their own salon or want to have their own body Any, sculpting, it, send it to them. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to have some women guests. We, we, on. We've got some women guests. We're excited to, come on. Yep. to have them come on. They're you know they're well spoken. They know what they're talking about. Um, don't be afraid to send it to them just yeah. because it's two, you know, stinky dudes here yeah. talking about stuff. This information's for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It no just so happened what. that Dave and I were good friends growing up, and we have s- similar views and and, and and opposing views. But this isn't a male-driven thing. This no. isn't anybody thing. No, and share it with them. So we've we've got a couple of ladies lined and up. And cheer them on. Well, oh, absolutely. You we, know what I mean? We've got a couple of ladies lined up that are going to knock your freaking socks off with how they've gotten started and how they've been successful yeah. and everything else. So... Um, uh, if we're not mistaken, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but, uh, this is episode 10, episode 11, we're going to have our first guest on, um, and, and we're going to dive into the business that they started and, um, and, and the struggles that they faced preparing to start the business and then the struggles and victories that they had, uh, once they got started. So, uh, that's where this show starts to get really, really cool. So, um, we, we appreciate you guys helping us get that message out there. And remember, if you've got questions at all, feel free to send them in to askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. That'll get them to us, and, and we'll be able to answer them. So uh, until next time, guys, have a good week, and uh, we'll catch you later. Love you guys. Thanks. See you.